Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Oh, that beat gets you going. Come on. Good morning, Takeover Church. How are we doing? Oh, man. We, yeah. Spoiler alert, because we're in a small room. Uh, yes, we are in a new series. We'll get to that, Zach. Let's jump in the shark, this guy. Good morning. How we doing? Good. All the time in worship and prayer. Come on. How good is God? Can we just give the King of Kings and Lord of Lords the praise that he is so due? Come on. transparent with you. Um, I did not come into this morning feeling great. Uh, I came into this morning pretty upset, uh, pretty bummed out about some circumstances um, that just kind of suck in my opinion. And I did this church, our team, and God a disservice by coming in with that mentality and attitude this morning because God is so worthy of praise whether things behind the scenes are going according to plan. God is so worthy of putting our hands to the plow and not looking back, regardless of whether things behind the scenes aren't going well or not. Amen. So as the pastor of this house, I just want to stand before our church and I want to say, I want to repent and just say, I'm going to give you my absolute best this morning. Will you go with me there? Come on. Is that good? Yeah. Fantastic. Like Pastor Scott said earlier, our uh, leadership team, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Sonny and Pastor Jeff, um, who are part of the Radiant uh, Network of Churches, which is the network that we are a part of um, about a year, maybe two years ago. An amazing pastor out in Kalamazoo, Pastor Lee Cummings, whose birthday it was. Love you, sir. Did you see this? Um, Came alongside us as a church and was just like... Hey, we want to come alongside you. We know you guys are fresh, you're starting out in Grand Rapids, and whatever we can do, we want to do it. And they've come alongside us financially, they've come alongside us leadership-wise, they've come alongside us and just adopting us into their network of churches and saying, whatever we have, we give to you. Yeah. And uh, so we had this incredible opportunity to go and be a part of this leadership conference. And man, we just came back stirred. Like, we were just ready to go. Like, it was so refreshing, and thank you, because I know that our entire leadership team was, like, radio silent for two days, so all of our crew members and volunteers, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to be radio silent for two days, to get poured into, Um, and we're ready to get after this morning. Are you ready to get after this morning? Well, yeah, so we were in a series called The Heart of the Father, and, uh... We might circle back to that, but just how many of you know when God starts moving, when God starts talking, you just kind of got to get going. 
Like, I'm not interested or here for the play players being married to a schedule. Like, we don't roster out our, uh, like, I have friends in ministry who roster out their services. Like, they get together in January, and they will plan out their series for the entire year. Now, like, we just, we go with what God is saying to our yeah. body, our city, our nation, um, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And when he started moving in us, man, I just got shook. Can I just say that this morning? I got yes. shook it uh, this past week, and I just had this overwhelming sensation that, man, there we are going to walk into a time and a season as a church and as a city. Like, how many of you know Grand Rapids has more churches than it knows what to do with? And to me, that is a good problem to have because I'm believing. I don't know what your prior experience with any of them or us has been. I don't know what your prior experience with, with church or God or Jesus and Grand Rapids has been. But I'm here to say that with all them churches, there better be some sleeping giants in this city. Because our God is coming for an awakening. He's coming for a revival. The Holy Spirit is moving. And God is looking for some Christians who are going to come alive in this hour. Amen? In this hour, in this season, there's revival coming to this city. And I pray that this church wouldn't be set against or set apart from any other church in Grand Rapids. But that every church in Grand Rapids would be a part of one house. The kingdom of God. That every church in Grand Rapids would exist to see Jesus take over people's lives. That we would just be one room with many siblings in the house. Amen? Yes. Yeah. Come on, somebody. So yeah. we are starting a series called Sleeping Giant. Sleeping Giants because for me, I just believe that emphatically, I don't care who you are in this room, young, old, or otherwise. I don't care how long you've been saved. Five minutes, five months, five years, 50 years. It does not matter if you are a Jesus follower under the sound of my voice. There is something on the inside of you that is so much bigger than you are. There's something on the inside of you that I need, that your neighbor needs, that your spouse needs, that your family needs, that the city needs. This is beyond hype. Okay, We are off that. Hype has cost the church so much. This isn't hyping you up or gassing you up. This is telling you that religious play play can't cut it in this next season because God's not looking for some punch card Christianity. He is looking for some sleeping giants to wake up. He is looking for us to be the lighthouse in the darkness, the alarm in the storm, the beacon of hope crying out to a broken world that we got what you need. And his name is Jesus. If I preach to anybody this morning, we aren't even to the message yet. Come on, somebody. This is what this series is about. I don't know how long it's going to go. It might go to the rest of our lives. I have no idea. All I know, all I know is that there are people in here, myself included, that, man, we have been comfortable Christianity. We've been complacent Christianity. We've been deconstructive Christianity. But God is not looking for us to be the most woke people. He's not looking for us to be the most ignorant people. God is looking for us to be the most awake people. And this morning, I'm coming to this house, I'm coming to our church, I'm coming to you live and direct the word that I believe God called us to preach this morning, and it's called, Awake, O Sleeper. Awake, O Sleeper. Can I tell you all before we get into it, what the actual definition of a sleeping giant is? You want to hear what Webster has to say about this? Yeah. Webster got married at some point, and now there's another name there, and I don't know when that happened. But it was very confusing to me to find out that there's Webster's Miriam Dictionary 
I have no idea. Is this new to anybody else? No. Blew my mind. Sorry. It, it really did. I was like, what happened to Webster? I don't get it. All right, here we go. Webster's Dictionary. Forget Mary. Sleeping Giant is one that has great but unrealized or newly emerging power. One that has great or unrealized or newly emerging power. And I just feel convinced this morning. This isn't, this isn't Dunamis. This isn't Breaker Series like we did in January. This isn't Roots Above and Branches Below or This Is War or any of the other amazing things that God did. This is not a rehash. This is God crying out to this generation. Now is the time. I'm not saying he's coming back. I'm not saying I'm going to end the day's preacher. I'm not saying we're going to bust open revelations and just get weird for a minute. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we are in desperate need. It is dry out here, fam. It is dry out here. We got people that are dry. We got people that are, they, their thirst needs to be quenched, and they are trying to quench it with all these other things yeah. that we think are going to fill us up. Yeah. Whether it's social justice, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, whether it's whatever it may be, we are looking for a people to belong to. We are looking for something to fulfill us, something to sustain us, something to build us up, something to make us feel like this life is worth living, and it's dry because it might taste good for a second. It might fill you up for a second, but it will leave you bone dry. That's right. That's right. But if we can quote Ezekiel, we know what God does when bones are dry. That's right. That's right. Good. He says, prophesy to those dry bones, right. Ezekiel, and watch as they put on skin, watch as they put on muscle, watch as they stand up, and watch as this this valley of dry bones becomes a Lord's army. Come on, somebody. I'm looking at Grand Rapids. I'm looking at us, and I'm saying it's going to rain. Yeah. But if it's going to rain, we need some sleeping giants to wake up in this place yes. and do what God has called us to do. Amen. Come on, somebody. We're not interested in complacent or comfortable Christianity any longer. We're looking for commission Christianity. Yes. We're looking for Christians who know that they're on a mission and are living out the mission yes. in my preaching this morning. Yeah. Yes. So y'all want to hear what the Bible has to say. It's even, better. It. it's even better. Who loves their B-I-B-L-E? All right. Title of the message, Sleeping Giants Week 1, Awake, O Sleeper. We're coming out of Ephesians. Come on, somebody. Ephesians 5 is literally my favorite portion of Scripture. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. I just wanted to have and Lord will correct me, okay? Here we go. Ephesians 5, 7 through 20. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Here we go. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light, light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper. Somebody say, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead. Somebody say, Arise from the dead. Arise from the dead. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Amen. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the, the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to pray, and we're going to get into it. Does that sound good? It is. Amazing. Man, I just want to say, Reese and Brooke, it's so good to see you guys. Can we just give it up? They got engaged a couple weeks ago. allowed our attention to be drawn for too long. God, I've allowed my attention this morning to be drawn in the wrong direction. God is beckoning us home. Bring us back, as we sang earlier, bring us back to that moment when I opened up my eyes to you, God. Nothing else will do this morning. Jesus, come and just be with your people in this house. Holy Spirit, begin to invade the spaces between our heart and God's voice this morning. God, bring us close. Because we want to wake up. And Jesus, by name of faithful church, said, Amen. Amen. Awake, O oh sleeper. Awake, O oh sleeper. I love the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is awesome. And it's in this moment of scripture, he is writing to the church in Ephesus, hence the reason it's called Ephesians. And if you don't know, I wanted to tell you this because I think this is really cool. Ephesus is in a place called, well, what we now call Turkey. Isn't that crazy when we think about these things? We're like, we know it's like a, a you know, it's 2,000 years ago. Like, this is an older world. Like, things have changed. Like, the United States wasn't always the United States. I know that's news to some people. <laughs> Not in this room, because I know y'all understand that. But to some people, it was that it always been the United States. It was a place that, you know, other people called it in a different language. But anyway, <laughs> Ephesus, that just blows my mind, right? Turkey, come on. You're like, you're reading, it makes it more relatable, right? Like, you can understand, you can dial in and go, oh yeah, get Turkey. Like, I, I you know, we, we had the maps as kids in class. Like, we know where Turkey is, we understand the side of the world a bit more today. So when I say it's in Turkey, I think it kind of wraps around for us where Paul and whom Paul is writing to, right? Yeah. So Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and usually, if you've read most of the New Testament, you know that Paul is a firecracker. Paul will just totally write to somebody, usually when he's writing to one of his churches that he oversees, how many of you know, it's usually correction. Yep. Right? It's true. Like Paul's going, y'all off base, y'all crooked, y'all got some things going on, like we got preachers sleeping with dogs, like what's happening out there, okay? We need to correct some things. And, you know, Paul is often pretty, pretty blunt, mm -hmm. amen? Like he is a hammer. But one of the things about Ephesians, that kind of blows my mind about this letter in particular is that we really do, we see a different side of Paul. Because usually, Paul is writing for correction, or he's writing in celebration. You'll see it throughout there. It's like, you're doing this really well, you're doing this really great, keep going here, but also, knock it off with the dumb stuff. <laughs> but in this scripture, in this book, we see something totally, I would say, different for Paul. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, a church in Turkey, and he's not correcting them 
And he's also not really celebrating them. But this whole letter is designed to come around and remind them. Now you might be asking what the difference between correction and reminding is. There's a massive difference between correction and reminding. Mm. Correction, obviously, hey, you're off base. You're completely off. You have lost the plot. You need to get back on task. This is what the mission is. This is what you're allowing in. Stop. It's, it's a total repentance moment, right? And then there's like celebration, where celebration is like, hey, you guys are going great, keep going, woo, we're gonna get paid. And then there's reminding. And really what Paul is doing in this moment is already coming alongside the good work that Ephesus is doing, yeah. the amazing work that Ephesus is doing. And it's not that he's celebrating, that he's not correcting, but he's reminding. He's just saying, keep going in this, keep going in that. This next verse after this, you're going to find the best thing for marriage ceremonies of all time. Like he is just reminding, it's this odd little area that we find Paul in where he's not really adjusting anything for him or really celebrating a whole lot. He's just kind of reminding them of the good works they are already doing. Yeah. And you might ask yourself today, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us? Well, I feel like today that I'm in need of that reminder. Yeah. That I'm in need of that reminder. That I need the God of the universe just to come alongside us, to come alongside Takeover Church. Like we're doing so great. We have so much going for us. There's so many things that are happening. The immeasurable things that God does in this room and on Wednesdays and other times when we meet cannot be measured because he's changing lives, he's changing marriages, he's changing children, he's changing futures, he is shaping history with a small collection of people who belong to take over church. It's incredible. But sometimes I need reminding. How many of you know there's so much good in the gospel? Yeah. There's so much good in the gospel. There's so much good in the gospel. But sometimes, sometimes I can get so consumed. I can get so overwhelmed. I can get so distracted by the good in the gospel that I completely lose touch with the God of the gospel. How many of you know this morning it is entirely possible to get wrapped up in the goodness of life, the good things that God is doing in your life? Man, my marriage is awesome. Man, my job is going great. Man, my job's not going great, but at least other areas are awesome. Like all of these different areas that God has just been so good, even if it's just waking up with fresh breath in your lungs every single day. Mmm. He's been good to me. But sometimes it's easy to get so wrapped up in the goodness of God that we forget to touch in with God. Sometimes it's so easy to get so consumed with the good things in life that we forget about doing the God things in life. I appreciate anybody this morning. We get so consumed with the goodness of life, of his goodness that he shined upon us, that he's arranged for us, that he made a way where there was no way, but we forget about doing the God things in the midst of that good life. Amen? Man, sometimes... Like we just, we meet on Sundays, right? 
it's so good to gather as the church. And we can get so used and so consumed with gathering as the church that we forget that we are the church. Yeah. We can get so consumed with this. This is good. This is great. This is what the church should do. But this is where we go to get supercharged. This room actually isn't the mission. This actually isn't the Great Commission. This is home base. This is headquarters. This is where we go, okay? This is Avengers Tower. We come here to meet. We come here to get jacked. We come here to worship and praise, and we come alongside each other here, and we gather here. And you might bring a friend vicariously so they can come into this place and they can see what Jesus' followers look like and what we do, and the language we speak, and how we live, because we really are a different breed, amen? amen? Come on, somebody. I'm looking for the church of the new breed this morning. Yeah. We sleep in giants. Yeah. Church of the new breed, come on. But we can bring them in. And so often, which is good, we get caught up in the goodness of life, that we forget about doing the God things, in this life. Well, Matt, I brought them to church. I understand that. Pastor Matt, I brought them to church. They didn't want to come back. I understand that. But it's not my job to lead your people to God. It's actually not. It's actually not my role as the lead pastor of this house to lead your people to Christ, okay? We can bring them here. We can bring them in. They can come to a community event. They can do all those things. But God did not place me in their lives for the great commission to be fulfilled. He placed you in their lives for the great commission to be fulfilled. Amen? Am I preaching to anybody? I understand that's a bit of a stiff word and a bit of a stiff drink. But I don't know Denise. I don't know Brent. Pull on names that I know are in the room. If they are, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I don't know them. I don't know their struggles. I don't know their past. I don't know their history. I'm looking forward to getting to learn them and hear about them and get to know them and love on them and to be able to pastor them well, okay? But it is not my job to bring them to the farm. It's my job to feed and to water to pick out the poop in their fur once they get here. <laughs> but friends, you got to bring them. But we can get so consumed with the goodness and the good things in life that we forget and we need a reminder, don't we, of what it looks like to do the God things in life. Another example being, friends, I feel like we've gotten so complacent with the phrase, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Man, you hear about a coworker and something's going on, and it's like, hey, Denise, I'll pray for you. Hey, Brent, just heard about what's happening. I'll pray for you. I'll be praying for you, man. But, man, isn't that good? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Yes, except for uh, pray, saying you'll pray for someone, but then going on to forget about praying yeah. for them actually isn't praying for them. Come on. Come on. It's true. Oh, I know that sucks because we all do that, right? Yeah. We're at work, we're at whatever, and it's like, yo, I'll pray for you. But then do we ever actually go on for praying for you? Like the road to hell for many is paying off the good intentions of well-meaning Christians who never followed up. Sorry, not sorry. The road to hell for many is paved 
by Christians who have had well-meaning intentions of stopping to pray, of fasting to give an answer, of bringing you a meal, of checking in on you, of doing these things, and who have been consumed with the goodness of life that they forgot about the God things in life. Does God know your heart? Absolutely. Well, God, I meant to pray for him. But how can God ever intervene on behalf of the unbelieving world if Christians aren't remembering, aren't making time, or making it priority to stop and pray and invite God to intervene in the behalf of the unbelieving world? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? How is God ever going to move within the unbelieving world if Christians are not willing to pause our regularly scheduled programming and go, you know what? I'm not just going to say I'm going to pray for you. Meet me later. Meet me right now. Oh, you're in a meeting? Come by my cubicle. Come by my desk. Come and see me. Let's get lunch. Let's be in the cafeteria. You might look a little funny. It's 2021. You might be judged by some coworkers. It's 2021. You might find yourself in a little bit of hot water with your superior. Hey, you know, I know that you're a Christian. I know you're part of that takeover church. I know you're all buck wild out there getting crazy. But you can just leave that there. It's not really what, you know, it's for the workplace. It's just kind of, mm, I get that. But man, a sleeping giant is willing to lose favor with man if it brings glory to God. Am I preaching to anybody yeah. this morning? Oh, wake, oh, sleeper. Oh, wake, oh, sleeper. Wake up, wake up, wake up. This morning, <laughs> this is what this is about. I love that God knows your heart. Well, God, he, he's obviously going to intervene on their behalf because he knows. Like, I said I was going to pray. I said I was going to pray. I know that I forgot. I know it's four weeks later. I know I haven't talked for since. Um, but I said I was going to pray, and God knew my heart. Yeah, yeah, God knows your heart, but he also said that life and death are the power of your tongues, not your good thoughts. That's right. Your tongues, not your best intentions. Wow. If I preach to anybody yeah. this morning, come on, somebody. Awake, oh, oh, sleeper, man. We're going to shake some things loose this morning. We've got to be people of intentionality. Jesus didn't just happily stand, fall onto the cross, and die for all of our sins, okay? There's intentionality that comes to this. Yeah. We've got to be an intentional people. Uh, intentional people. Yes. We've got to be intentional people. Man. I'll pray for you. Nothing happened. Hey, let's pause. Let's pause right now. This might be weird for you. This might be strange for you. I get it. You know what? You come from like a Muslim family, or you come from a Buddhist family, or I don't know what your situation is, or your background. I get this could be hard for you and strange, but man, if you would just allow me, if you would just allow me for just a second, can I just pray over your situation? God, that sounds terrible. And for me, I just believe that my God wants to intervene. Yeah. I just believe that my God wants to do something. Yeah. I just believe right now, if we could, is that okay with you? I don't want to pray alone later in my bedroom for you. I want to pause right now. Yeah. And I just want to invite God into your situation. Hey, if nothing happens, you didn't lose anything except for two minutes of time. Yeah. We've gotten so consumed with the goodness of the gospel that we forget about doing the God things wow. of the gospel. He's yeah. Paul, he's coming alongside Ephesus and he's reminding them of the gospel. Have you ever thought about the word gospel? <laughs> Have you thought about the word gospel? Go spell. Go spell. Go 
spell. Go spell what, Matt? Go spell it out for him. Go spell. Go spell. Go spell. Go spell what, Matt? Go spell him out, but there's no other way to heaven but through Jesus. Go spell what out, man? There's no other place that leads you to peace like Jesus. You can't do this thing on your own. There's no other substance. There's no other person. There's no woman as great as she may be. There's no man as strong as he may be. There's no president. There's no government. There's no food stamps. There's no anything that can bring you to the Father, give you eternal peace, and also, a.k.a., give you power for here and now. we got to go spell it out for them. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning because I need this reminder. I need people to go, like my Winter Conference, go spell it out for me. I get that I'm a pastor. I get that I'm a learned person. I get that I have theology. I get that I'm a studier. I get all of those things, but sometimes... I need what the Apostle Paul has, and I need somebody just to go spell it out yeah. for me, because I need Jesus. Yeah. You don't come a pastor and graduate from needing Jesus. If anything, I feel like I need Jesus more. Pray for me. <laughs> but I need it literally right now. <laughs> you said, you said, Pastor, you got to stop and do it. Go spell it out for him. You see, in this moment, Paul just gets done pointing out, again, he doesn't correct Ephesus. He's pointing out what other people have done who aren't the church of Ephesus. Right. And he's like, yo, we got churches out here. Have you heard about Corinth? Okay. Corinth is bug wild, and they out here doing dodgy, dodgy stuff. Okay. Put all the money in Dogecoin, just being dumb. <laughs> and to the moon. But they're out here. They're being silly. They're allowing things into their church and into their people. Like those pastors there should be bringing an actual uh, sheep herding hook and whacking people upside the head. Like, don't partner with them. That's exactly how Paul starts this off. He says, do not partner with them. He's calling out other churches that he oversees. And he's going, listen. He's reminding you, you're doing so well. You are crushing it. Don't partner with them. If they ask for something, don't partner with them. If they need you to come and speak, don't partner with them. I don't want what's on Corinth and what's on Rome. I don't want what's happening to mess up and get inside this place. Ephesus, Turkey, you're doing so well. You're a Turkish delight. Stupid. Did my pastor just make a cigarette joke? Yes, he did. Okay, sorry, maybe you didn't know that. Okay, but he went out and know that. Past life. Praise God. <laughs> Lost everybody. All right. But Paul, I did. I totally. Once I told you it was a cigarette, then it was bad. Then it was bad. I guess. It's, okay. it's also a candy. Didn't yeah. know that. Turkish coffee, on the other hand, though. Praise God. I promise I love Jesus and I'm not smoking a cigarette. But he's reminding them. Go spell it out for them. Don't partner with these guys. They're crooked. They're off base. They've lost the plot. But you, you have the plot. Keep on going. He says, for you're not children of darkness. You once, you once were children of darkness. But now, you've been made children of light. So live as children yeah. of light. Live 
come alive. Wake up, oh wake, oh sleeper, now is the time to live as children of light. And I love because Paul, he doesn't put an age description, Mother's Day, grandfathers, whomever we may be in this house or watching online. He didn't put an age description. He didn't put a generation gap. He didn't say this is for Gen Z or Gen X or millennials or baby boomers. He didn't specify. He says, you all, whoever is bending knee and said that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were once children of darkness. But now you have been made children of light. You have been made children of light. Go on and live as children of light. Paul says the fruit of the children of light will be light. You see, every single one of us, we're bearing fruit. Ain't nobody in this room, Jesus follower or not, backslidden or killing, doesn't matter where you are. You're bearing fruit. Nobody is a barren of fruit. You either got fruit that's good, or you got fruit that's fermented, spoiled, and bad. Oh man, that sounds heavy. It is heavy. It's heavy. But we got to acknowledge some of these things if we're going to be a giant. We've got to acknowledge some of these things. You see, Paul says the fruit, the fruit of a child of light is light. You're going, you read the scripture, and I think often we lose focus of what this is saying. Honestly, I think we do. I think we lose focus of what this is saying because it's so easy to read this scripture. And then start coming up with a list of do's and don'ts. We get so legalistic with it, don't we? Because we're like, all right, I see the world. I see how they're living. I don't want to party like them. I don't want to drink like them. I don't want to smoke like them. A pastor you smoke, but I don't want to smoke like them. I didn't. All of these things, we're listing them off, and we're trying to figure out what actually separates us, what actually divides us, how we look like and how we should talk like and how we should operate like as people and children of the light, right? And so we start pushing all these things out, but then we run the risk of running right into legalism. And legalism is another form of bondage. You may not be a sex addict, but now you are the most prudent, far-off individual of all time. And you go from one extreme to the other, and there is a place in there, and there is a time in there, and there is a purpose in there for all of these things in Jesus. Yeah. He came to set us free from all bondage, legalism, and Pharisee lifestyles included. A giant can't be a Pharisee. Yeah. Friends, how do we do that, you see? Paul, he writes to Ephesus, and he says, the fruit of the children of light is good, and it's right, and it's true. It's good, and it's right, and it's true. The fruit of the light is good, right, and true. And that's awesome. 
That's so good. That's such a good pointer in the right direction, right? I just need to focus on what's good, what's right, and what's true. What's good again? What's right again? What's true? Because it's 2021, and man, we, we've, just, we've deemed a lot of things as good that aren't right. And we've deemed a lot of right right that's not good. And we've done a lot of right and good, but they're not actually true. But we said that they're good and they're right, and now I'm in need of trying to figure out if I'm a child of the light or not, and how I can bear better fruit, but I'm having a hard time figuring out what's actually good, right, and true. Like, my my marriage is good, right? Like, my marriage is good, and I think my marriage is right. I don't know, it could be better. And if it could be better, that means it could be more good. And if it could be more good, that means it could be more right. And if it could be more right, that means it could be more true, because the closer to truth that I get for my marriage, the closer my marriage is, the truer my marriage is, the more aligned with God's plan and God's will for my life. And I guess that fulfills the next part of the equation because Paul doesn't stop there at good, right, and true. He says the fruit of light <laughs> will be what is good, right, true, and pleasing to God. Yeah. So I guess the better, more gooder, more righter, more truer, my marriage becomes the more pleasing to God it will be. Right. But maybe you're in this place today and you're not married. And that's totally great. Because <coughs> that's just an example. The sum total of your being is not defined by whether you have a spouse or a significant other. I hope that sets you free from some chains today. The most important relationship in your life is a vertical one, not a horizontal one, every single time. Yeah. But maybe today you're an individual. Maybe today you're an individual, you're just an individual Christian, single on taxes and single in life. It's not even about you as a single person. What this is about is who you are. Have we ever thought about this question? Have we ever, honest question, in your own personal mind right now, ask yourself this question. Have I ever once considered, is my life pleasing to God? Are my actions pleasing to God? Are my thoughts pleasing to God? You know, I spend all this time thinking about this dress and if it's going to be pleasing to my man. And I spend a lot of time thinking about these fries that are going to be pleasing to my waistline. And I think a lot of times about if, if, if how I dress is going to please these people, or the car I drive is going to please these people, or how I act at work is going to please these people. And I think a lot about what pleases me because I'm on these dating apps and I'm going, oh, this will please me. I spend a lot of time thinking about what pleases me. But an honest inventory as ourselves as individual Christians. Have we ever taken time to consider, does my life, my thoughts, 
my relationships, how I steward my money, how I steward my heart, my emotions, the places that I find myself going, the apps that I find myself on, the things that I allow into my life that I know, I know they're going to cause me to go into depression, but I'd rather just go into depression, sink deep into it, because at least then I'm feeling something. Is this, has it been, good, right, true? Yeah, it's just my truth, man. Yeah, but is your truth pleasing to God? Is your truth pleasing to God? Is what you call good, is what Matt McClure calls good, pleasing to God? Is what I say is right? Is that pleasing to God? This is an honest inventory right now of your pastor. Is what I am pleasing to God because I know this morning when I was let down by some things behind the scenes, that one pleasing to God. I know that how I acted, even though I kept my head cool and my band blew up outside of Wayland, of all places. Monday morning, I know that wasn't pleasing to God. But I wonder this morning, I wonder what our lives would look like if we just began and we just said, you know what? Today, today I want to start pleasing God. Today I, want, I really, I really just want to wake up and when my feet hit the cold floor beneath me, man, my first thought's going to be I'm going to please God. I'm not worried about whether my outfit or not is on fleek and pleases those at my office. I want to wake up today and how I act at my office is pleasing to God. How I am in my marriages, how I'm talking to my spouse, is that pleasing to God? My post of the post for Mother's Day and how awesome she is to my children? Or am I in person, how I'm treating my spouse, my wife, mother, and my children? Is this pleasing to God? Is it all hyperbole and hyperbolic and on highlight reels on Instagram? Or am I actually pleasing? To God, friends, what pleases God will please you. What pleases God will actually please you. Pleasing God will subvert your personal pleasures and you will find an awakening, awake, oh sleeper, where you have a rude but tasty, delicious awakening to have a hunger and thirst for pleasing God. Oh man, I just feel like he wants to ruin my fun. God doesn't want to ruin your fun. He wants to be your fun. God, I feel like you're trying to ruin my reputation. He doesn't want to ruin your reputation. He wants to be your reputation. God, I feel like I'm just going to get a bad rep around the office as this or that or whatever the next thing might be. God wants to be your reputation. God wants to be the distinct indicator for who you are. God wants to be, because friends, what pleases God will please you. Oh man, I'm not an evangelist. 
I'm not evangelist. It's not who I am. It's not in my nature, okay? That's easy for you. You're the guy who has no stranger known to you. you you're that fool admirer who Adrian has to, like, you know, tackle to get to leave. Like, you're that guy. I'm not an evangelist. I'm more of, like, an intercessor. You know, I can hear about something, and I can be hidden in my prayer closet, and I can just be tucked away, invisible, out of sight, doing my own thing. It might please you to be hidden, but it pleases, for, it pleases God for you to shine. Yeah. It might please you to remain hidden, but it pleases God when you shine. He didn't call you children of the light tucked away in a closet somewhere seeking the Lord for 15 hours. He calls you children of light to bear fruit that is light, that is good, right, true, and pleasing to God. That doesn't mean there's not a place for intercessory prayer and hidden moments with God where you are tucked away with Him and seeking Him desperately. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is when you decide that you're going to begin to please God, that that's your aim, that's your cause, that's what you do, when you decide, I am going to be someone who pleases God in everything that I do, your pleasure for pleasing God will trump your preferences. In every area, that's a word for somebody this morning. In every area of your life, your pleasure for pleasing God will trump every preference you have. And I just wonder what would happen, church. I do. I do. I wonder what would happen in this room with the people that are here, people who call Takeover Church home, the people who could be anywhere else on Mother's Day morning, and they decide to be bound in the house of God. I wonder today, what would happen if we decided, man, I'm, I'm done living for me. I'm done living for me. Because again, Paul, he's talking to Christians here. You want to know why that's interesting? Because Christians, we've been fed a theology that says God's already pleased with us. He is. He's stoked that you're his kid. But why would we bend a knee, get adopted into the family, come and live underneath the King of Kings and Lord of Lords roof, and then proceed to live a life, have thoughts, and do all these things that do not please him? I think he's calling us back to living a life that pleases him. That's not performance. We're not performing. We are transforming. We're not performing. We are transforming. You see, in this moment, Paul, he says, he says, because we are people of light. Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Right? And then he says, we are not children of darkness. We don't partake in darkness. No, no, no. Instead, what we do is we expose the darkness. We expose the darkness. Now you see, some of us, we get this very wrong. And we think it's our goal to go and stand at the farmer's market with a sign that says, turn and burn. We have lost the plot if we have a sign at the farmer's market that says, turn and burn, okay? It's hot out now, just whip the litter. Like, that's not who we are. That's not what Paul is saying here. Right. Have you ever noticed that light doesn't just like come crashing down. You ever notice that light, there's a distinctness about it, but there's a gentleness about it, but it's still very vivid and still very there. 
Like these words weren't chosen on accident. Like Paul could have said, oh, we beat the darkness with a hammer. Like he could have said that. He could have been like, you roll up on sinners and you smash them. If that was what he was trying to say, he very easily could have said that. Right. You roll them up with a chariot, crush them where they stand, pray over them as they die, and hope they go to heaven. He could have said that. But he didn't. Because what he says next is the most Jesus Christ thing you will read in the Bible outside of John 3.16, and it's this. He says, we expose them and we make them visible. Because what is visible can then become light. Because what is visible then becomes light. Well, Matt, how do we expose without coming down as a hammer? How do we do these things? No, 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 no. We're, we're not exposing people or their sin or their situation to shame them. That's never the goal, and that's never the intention, because shame is not found in the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Shame is not a gift or fruit of the Spirit. I just got a spiritual gift to bring shame on people. That's from hell. And it is a spiritual gift. If you got it, really good at shaming people to do what I want to do. That's from hell. Okay. Mm -hmm. He says, we expose it to make it visible because then what? What is visible can then be made light. You see, heaven's plan for what is hidden has always been the church as the agent to expose it. Mm -hmm. Because when you expose it in light, it can then be transformed into light. If it's not revealed, God can't do anything with it. If it's not revealed, God can't move in it. If, if it isn't revealed, God can't heal it. If it's broken, but it's never drawn out. If it's crushed, but it's never drawn out. If it's been lying, but it's never been impacted by truth. If it's been hurt, but it's never had somebody who was hopeful come alongside it. If it has been hidden, all our ranting and raving and subtweeting will never get us anywhere to seeing what is broken in this world transformed in to light. Yeah. If it's hidden, Christ can reveal it. If it's broken, Christ can make it whole. If it's been lying, God can make it the truth. This is the deal. Heaven's plan has always been for the dark, for Christ to redeem it with light. Christ's plan for redeeming it with light has always been that the children of light would come alongside that which is dark, broken, confused, and hidden and hurt and shine. Shine that warm light of healing. Shine that warm light of understanding. Shine that warm light. And I'm not saying we're not backing down from anything. There's sometimes where it's like a Christian and you just feel like, hey, God's going to be a word, and it might be a bit of a big pill to swallow. You're called to deliver that to that person who's backslidden, who's being dumb, who's being silly. You're called to do that. Because for that person, if God's leading you to do that, not just every person you get mad at because you think they're living wrong, but if God actually calls you to do it, it's that word, being faithful to that word that will take what is hidden and make it visible. And when what is hidden is made visible, it can then be transformed into light. Am I preaching to anybody this yeah. morning? Worship team, you can make your way up here. I know we're running late on Mother's Day. Let's get going. So what happens next is this. Paul says we're going to make it visible. We're going to make 
invisible. We're not going to write an expose piece shaming somebody. We're going to make it visible because light is attractive. Light calls you home. Light lets you know it's safe to come out. Light lets you know that your father's there, that he's home, that he's going to provide, that he's going to take care of you. We think of the word expose and we forget everything that comes after it. Exposure is just what happens when light falls on darkness. We as humans, we corrupted the word exposed. Jesus didn't. God didn't corrupt the word exposed. We did. It's our thoughts that lead us away from drawing people out of darkness and into light. And friends, it's only in the light that they can be transformed. Yeah. Would you guys stand with me? So Paul says this. He says, don't, don't get legalistic with it, but don't get drunk that's debauchery. But you might read that and you might think, man, Paul's coming in alcohol. Paul, we're going to this beer city, USA. Paul, why are you coming at that? I like the world's drunkenness. I like the way this makes me feel. I like being able to take my mind off of my situations and my problems and my circumstances for a little bit. This pleases me. This brings me pleasure to go numb for a moment and just forget about it. But Paul, he doesn't just say, he doesn't just say, give up drinking, give up being drunk, and then doesn't give you a solution because that's never how Jesus rolls, that's not how Paul rolls, and that's not how our God rolls, and that's not the kingdom of heaven. Said what Paul says is be filled with the Spirit. But Paul, I like being drunk. I get it. Being drunk pleases you. But what pleases God is being filled with the Spirit. And when God says, don't do this, do this, it means that there is a kingdom-minded substitute that will do just as much for you as what a worldly, a worldly vice can do for you, if not even more. you got to stop it. I can name a litany of things that are going on. Don't be doing this. Don't be found doing this. Don't be doing this. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because that pleases God. Awake, O sinner. Paul, he finishes off the scripture. We're going to land today. We're ready to sing a song called Sea of Victory. Is anybody... What a sea of victory on yeah. Mother's Day 24. The first step for seeing a victory is living a life and making decisions that please God. If you hunger and thirst for pleasing God, guess what? You are not going to hunger and thirst for the trap the enemy lays for you. Yeah. If you hunger and thirst for pleasing God, you are not going to fall for the late night DMs. If you hunger and thirst for what God said, what he wants is best for your life, to be filled with the Spirit. No bottle is going to be appetizing to you when the enemy comes and he tries to bring sickness and infirmary to your home. 
doubt won't be attractive to you because faith and boldness and courage is what is pleasing to God because our Bible literally says it's impossible to please God without faith. If I preach to anybody this morning. So as we go in the sea of victory, you want to see a victory? Paul finishes up with emphasis and he says, begin by singing songs, singing hymns, singing worship over one another. I wonder if there's a giant in this room today who's standing next to you that would begin to praise God for you. Praise God when you can't. Worship God when you won't. Come alongside you this morning and say, right now, I'm looking to see a victory in my family. I want to see a victory in my health. I want to be a mother. I want to experience these things. I want what heaven has for me. And somebody, some giant that's been asleep far too long finally decides to wake up and sing heaven's song over you. Am I preaching to anybody 